0: What is going on Cultivate family? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Super excited about this one. Got another guest for you today. Their name is M Donks. He's a content creator, a personal trainer, and a nutritionist. We've had a very similar journey. So we got together today to have a conversation about our transitions. They are a person that has grown up in sports. They have worked out six days a week for the last 12 years. They're such a good egg, a really lovely person. This was an awesome conversation and I'm really excited for you all to listen to it. But before we start, 80% of you that listen to this podcast don't actually subscribe to it. So please do me the biggest favour go in and hit that subscribe button in whatever platform you're listening to this on. As you know, we have work to do. I want to bring this podcast to so many queer, trans and non-binary people with the guests that I bring on with all of the free content that Cultivate makes. So yeah, hit that subscribe button
1: and let's get into it. This is M. Donks on the Cultivate podcast. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm really happy to be here. And yeah, so my name is M. Donkers. I own and operate Energy Fitness. I am an online coach and fitness trainer. I'm a content creator as well. I'm also a sponsored athlete for my protein, but I primarily try to help the queer community and especially the trans community build the body meant for them with my training.
0: Hell yeah, amazing! Yeah, it's so nice to have you on. Um, been following you for a while. We do we do a similar thing as well. And just the more of us that are here, the better for sure. I would love to know about the early years of M. How did you get into fitness? I know you played a lot of sport growing up. How did everything kind of start for you?
1: Yeah, so I played a lot of sports. I pretty much played any sport that I could get into. <laughs> Um, I had two older brothers, so they were definitely a lot of inspiration for me and just like wanting to keep up with them. But as I got more and more into sport, I wanted to be stronger. I wanted to be better. And so I started exercising, and we actually had these little like take home workout plans from our coaches, and I really took to it. And once I kind of started working out more, I noticed that my high school had workout classes, like weight training classes. And so I was actually the only AFAB assigned female at birth that was in that class a bunch of guys and I really loved it and I loved how it was just you know you're in there to get stronger and feel better and we all supported each other and so that really kind of opened my eyes to fitness and just being able to build the body that I wanted and it didn't have to be necessarily this or that or what I had seen in media but to just kind of build what I had envisioned for myself and it kind of snowballed from there. And I read that you used to do like Jillian
0: Michaels workout videos, yes. like with your mom, ju- like when you were younger, but like, you thought it just wasn't your vibe. Would you say that was your sort of intro to fitness? And w- that was what was almost expected of you in society at that point before you ended up in the gym with the
1: guys working out? Yes, completely. I remember doing those videos with my mom. And this was kind of like, This is it, you know, like this is what you're supposed to look like, have the skinny arms and, you know, the hourglass figure. And so I remember doing those workouts and I really liked the ab stuff. I really liked the arm stuff. I liked the push ups and all of that, but I wasn't so much into the outcome that they wanted. And I just didn't see it for myself. You know, I was like, mom, get it. (laughs) Have at it. I love that for you. But for me, it just felt a little bit different. And I kind of took it upon myself and did some research and you know learn from my brothers and things like that and um from going to the gym and just you know seeing other people and doing what they do as well but yeah really trying to change it for myself and just change the fitness in terms of binary and just kind of having more of that gray space and just if It feels good for you, then that feels right. Did it always feel that you
0: wanted a little bit more of a mask frame for yourself from that young age or was it something that came
1: later? Yes, I always wanted to be strong. I always admired that look, that more V taper, that strong upper body and being in sports and things. And I also grew up hanging out with all the boys and everything. So I played all the sports with them at recess. And I had always been told I had like a strong arm and like I could always you know, keep up with them or I was the quarterback and just like that was so cool to me and I just love how it made me feel and, you know, I was getting attention from girls and even from like my brother's girl friends at the time and just, I really loved that <laughs> and so it really just, I think, amped all of those feelings and affirmed that for me. The fact that they all like nominated me as a quarterback with all the boys, I was like, this is this is right
0: (laughs) that's awesome um it's so cool that you like had like an inclusive support system from the start and you played a lot of hockey growing up as well was that tell me for the english in me ice hockey or like what english people would call normal hockey (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) yeah so i played hockey since i could basically walk so with women always but um it was always very competitive and I really loved the competitiveness of it. And I also played lacrosse as well. And I played a lot with the people from my hockey team. So we all just kind of like switched over to the lacrosse in the summer and to ice hockey or just hockey <laughs> <laughs> in those times. But it was an amazing support system and I really enjoyed it for the time that it was. But I also knew that, like, you know, being in those change rooms and things can get a bit complicated. And I, wasn't out as the time a lesbian so I didn't really want that to be found out I wanted to keep playing I wanted to keep you know just being me and doing the things that I love but I was nervous about the change room situations and just people's perceptions and how that could change so I waited until um, beyond that university to actually come out and I just played sports kind of as more recreationally from there
0: what was what was the vibe like with you not feeling comfortable to come out at that point in your life? Was, was there factors in there that, you know, was there stuff people had said? Was there a certain dynamic that made you feel like you couldn't quite
1: tell anyone just yet? Yeah, coming from a smaller city, um, I came from Sarnia, that's where I'm born and raised. But it has a smaller population, more of like 75,000, and it's quite religious. Um, And also like blue collar. So work hard and just kind of do what you do. And that's about it. You know, a lot of people that stay there typically settle there. They have their kids. They have their marriage. And I just, it wasn't for me. And so I did feel a lot of those vibes when I was in Sarnia. And um, I definitely was worried about people thinking that, you know, I was looking at them the wrong way or just that, you know, every girl is, you know, Uh, vulnerable because I'm in the Jetsons now, even though nothing changed. I'd been the same the entire time. But yeah, it was always something that I had in the back of my mind and was worried about. And so I just honestly kept it in until I felt more comfortable. I knew that university people are typically a bit more open-minded and I could be away from that smaller town and into a bigger city where I felt like I could find more of my people and my community
0: hell yeah and when you when you moved away did you start to find those kind of queer pockets uh, for yourself where you felt like cool I can I can exist here I can be my actual authentic self
1: Yes, completely it was a bigger city which was really nice so yeah they did have more things going on that were queer and just so I could start embracing that part of myself. I was meeting more people that um, identified that way. And so it really opened my eyes up and just knowing that I could fully embrace myself and, you know, it it would get back to home, but I wasn't worried about it anymore. I kind of was just onto bigger and better things and just being me and I wasn't going back. So I, yeah, I really loved that about college, university and just how it allowed me to embrace myself. And I kept playing sports. I actually played intramural sports. So that was really nice to also play with guys and to feel accepted from them and be a you know, part of the team. And just felt like we were all included and we were all working towards the same goal. And it was a lot. Of- and
0: am I right in saying, you know, your, your family super, have always been super supportive of where, you know, where you've been through your transition, through your gender, through your sexuality?
1: Yes, I am very lucky. My family has been amazing. My parents, my brothers, my surrounding family, and it's even more surprising because I did grow up Catholic, and both sides of my family were Catholic, and so that was always a huge part of my life. And like every Sunday, going to church and you know sitting in that church and hearing all those words that uh, I like blocked out. Honestly, I'd kind of just be daydreaming. And just knowing that I was there for the time being, but for the rest of my life, that was something that I was going to leave behind. And so, until I, like I said, was away at university, I started, you know, doing the church thing and kind of stood up to my parents as well. I, I remember going home one time for I think Christmas, and they talked about going to church and you know what what mass we're going to go to. And I said, you know, Mom, Dad, I'm not going. Like I I'm not approved of there. I don't feel welcome. And why would I support something like that? So they actually were really understanding. And I know a lot of parents and people aren't, but the fact that they were like, yeah, I hear you. And like, I'm not going to drag my child to somewhere that doesn't approve of them. And, you know, they love me. So that was really nice to have that support to back me up. And honestly, it's kind of fizzled out since. Like, nobody really goes anymore from my family, which is really nice. So I feel that support through and through. But, yeah, they have been so incredible. You know, my parents have, you know, taken the time to read books about queerness or about transit, transness, (laughs) transition. account. It's all in there. Um, So, and my mom even read it twice. And no, they just asked me questions, too, that make me think and just, like, make me feel comfortable talking to them about these things. I remember we were out for dinner once and my dad asked me, like, Em, how do you want people to perceive you? And I was like, that is a great question. Like, just some- sometimes it's out of your perspective or just the way people you know, can say things. It just, it really hits home. And that did for me. And I was like, you know, masculine. I do want them to see me as masculine. So, and for me and for somebody else, that can look completely different. But I'm now showing myself and, living the life that I've always wanted to live. And they have been huge facilitators of that. And so I also want to give that love back to my community so that they feel that same love.
0: Yeah, honestly, and I think just the reframe that you must have had when you were younger and going to Mass, you were already positively reframing your life from a young age, which obviously so many of us, um, so many of the people we probably coach spend years working on that growth mindset and it was just there the whole time and i think as trans people as queer people we actually spend a lot of the time panicking about how people are perceiving us but then when someone throws it back to you and says actually how do you want to be perceived i think that's probably a question that anyone that's listening to this now could pause and ask it to themselves i know i'm probably going to be laid in bed thinking about that later For sure, because, you know, we worry and, you you know, we worry about the changing room situations, the toilet situations, being perceived in a certain way that may make us feel unsafe or open us up to, you know, harassment or attacks or anything like that. And actually taking the control back and being like, well, wait a second, how do I want to be perceived uh, to other people is another awesome reframe. That's, that's really, really cool. Yeah. Can you tell me about the first steps you took when you were starting your transition?
1: Yeah. So I had always known I was a bit different. I kind of always thought that had to do with, you know, just being gay or maybe being a lesbian or something like that. But once I came out as lesbian, I still wasn't fulfilled. It still wasn't like enough for me. I still felt like there was so much of my story to be written or just untapped. And so the more, <laughs> this is also during like the COVID time, it wasn't that long ago. And when everybody did that self-reflection because they had you know, more time on their hands and just were seeing a lot more on media and such like that. But I really did do a lot of reflecting during COVID. And I know I've been socially kind of transitioning my entire life But physically, I think I did even more so during that lockdown period. So during 2020, I cut my hair. I remember I had to like sneak into the barber's office or barber shop to get my hair cut because it was after hours and nobody could be in there and all this stuff. But I was so over the moon that it was happening. And actually, something came up for the barber. They couldn't do it at the moment. And I ended up going back at like midnight (laughs) that night to get my hair cut short for the first time ever. And I was like, I don't care, I'm coming, it's happening. Like I was just, I was so committed at that point. And I knew that was just like the tip of the iceberg. And so I got my hair cut first. And you know, my closet has also transitioned over or recycled so many times from working out, but transitioning. So wearing women's clothes to begin with, I started working out so they bought more, bigger women's clothes and they started buying more men's clothes. They start buying bigger men's clothes. <laughs> and so it's it's been a process. For sure and just kind of like finding my style finding myself but during that time as well i started looking into top surgery and um, contacting my doctor and just seeing what that journey was going to be like the whole process and so that all in all was about a year and three months or so from contacting my doctor about getting the top surgery to actually following through with it and during that time while i was waiting and constantly bugging them that I was here. And I was like, don't forget about me. Um, I did undergo starting T, so testosterone, uh, hormone therapy. So I've been doing that for about a year, well, coming up to two years, actually. And so I just, that was nice to kind of have that in the meantime and focus on that while I waited for my top surgery. And it seemed like everything was just kind of coming together and falling into place and Feeling more and more like myself amazing yeah I
0: remember you getting your haircut I'm smiling and nodding so much um, for anyone that's not watching this because um, our stories are very similar (laughs) I remember you getting that haircut and I also remember getting my hair cut off as well and I want to just pause on that for a sec because I truly think it is one of the most empowering things because I was I think I was like I was 25 and I, the the person that did it for me was the person that had been like cutting my hair for ages and I had bangs and it was like straight and long uh, with a yeah. little gay undercut, obviously.
1: <laughs> that, that's a story. That's yeah, always a yeah, story.
0: <laughs> but um, I just came in one day, I was like, can we cut it? Oh, and she was like, yeah. And then we were doing it and we we're like, we're doing it. <laughs> um, and just, yeah, it's it's, I think, I don't know how you feel about that, but the confidence that comes out of making an empowering decision where people probably frown upon it slightly or be like, "Oh, I liked your long hair.
1: Like, I don't know if you felt the same." Oh, yes, I heard that over and over. Just like, "Oh, you have such nice hair. Why are you gonna cut it?" It's like I still have nice hair, <laughs> just was it shorter? Yeah. It's not nice. Uh, but yeah, I definitely felt that, and I think it was like one of the biggest barriers. It just felt like one of the biggest obstacles because. That was something I held on to for so long. And just, you know, just in case there's a a wedding or there's like a fancy event, I can like wear it how people want me to wear it. I was completely holding it on for other people and not for myself. And, you know, every other day I was pulling it back behind a hat or, you know, having it up. So it wasn't like I was even enjoying it or, you know. So having that empowering decision I think it just shows you that if you can do that, you can do anything or you can do so much more, and it's just the beginning of all of those great euphoric feelings.:
0: Yeah, a hundred percent, and I think maybe maybe for us, maybe for other people, that can be like the first like I don't know why I want to say slice, like it's a pie, but like the first like part of euphoria, like changing up something about your hair or your fashion and. Like, Mm -hmm. like you mentioned with your closet as well, going from like women's sportswear, pivoting to men's, pivoting from like women's like everyday wear to men's, um, very much something I did as well. And Mm -hmm. at first, I think I was just people pleasing Mm -hmm. so much. And maybe the switch was lockdown for me also. That was just like, Mm -hmm. I'm doing this for everybody else, but they don't like it's not, I'm not living their life. So why? And I think that there definitely is a, there is a line that you almost cross where you're thinking, well, it's my life and I'm the one that has to live it. And mm-hmm. did you find people pleasing hard to give up? Cause I definitely
1: did. Yes, for sure. And like you said, it's one of the biggest decisions that you make for yourself and one of the first and all the great feelings you get back from that, it just empowers you to keep making those decisions. And yes, I was 100% people-pleasing for the first 25 years of my life, basically. You start to question everything at that point, And then you start to take so much liberation out of it as well. And you're like, well, if I, if I did that, what about this? And it just makes you so much more empowered in yourself. And I'm so happy that... <laughs> I made that decision and I wouldn't change it for the world because it has allowed me to freely live my authentic life. And I'm so done with people pleasing and just making sure I'm happy at the end of the day. That's the most important. And just trying to do that a little bit every day.
0: Yeah. And I think every now and then it's really easy to kind of get in your head a little bit with that, isn't it? But like, I think once you've started to make those choices, that's like, I'm going to I'm going to stop wearing leggings because they make me feel dysphoric so I'm going to switch from gym leggings to like joggers or to like two in one shorts things like that and those small changes add up to so many I I remember when I started buying like oversized boxy t-shirts from like Uniqlo um I don't know if you have that mm-hmm. in Canada and I remember the first time I bought some men's pants and you know going from like going to boxers things like that just All these tiny little things that I'm like, this makes me feel good. And, oh, I'm holding my head higher. I'm more confident. I'm happy. And people are starting to notice that. And when you came out of lockdown and, you know, a lot of visible changes had happened to you from testosterone, from top surgery, were people
1: commenting on about how much more comfortable or confident you were? Totally. And I think that confidence... Translates into everything of your life. Like once you start tapping into one area of it, then you're like, well, what about this? And so then, yeah, I became confident in my haircut. I became confident in my clothing. I became confident in my body and fitness, and it all translates into my real life. And now I've just become more confident in everything and just who I am. And even with that clothing closet stuff. So beforehand, I, I felt so dysphoric with, you know, women's clothing and such. But now that I'm so much more confident in who I am, I'm happy to pull out those crop tops again. I'm happy to like, you know, tap back into a little bit of that femininity because I'm so much more confident in myself and I'm so much more affirmed in myself that I can go back to that. And, you know, I'm pulling out clothes now that I would have never worn before. And just, it's... It's amazing how it's showing up in so many different aspects of my life. Yeah, I, I completely
0: agree on the on the topic of crop tops. The last tour that I did with my <laughs> band, I wore like a I wore a T-shirt. Why is the thumbs up coming up? That's straight? <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> like
0: crop tops. <laughs> love that. Thumbs up for crop tops. Um, I wore like a T-shirt and I literally cropped it myself. And I was like, oh, that would look cool cropped with like some jeans. It was it was a Meredith Grey from Grey's Anatomy T-shirt. Um, on stage in front of hundreds of people and I was like who am I (laughs) Um, like feeling like I'm tapping into a little bit I went to pride and I wore like a quite a femme mesh top and I was like I never would have done that I never would have done that pre-top surgery and it's cool to kind of feel comfortable in the trans masculine side of
1: you and then be like oh I'm just gonna like tap into a little bit of that empowering isn't it completely and it's funny how it just like whips right back and you know, you can shop anywhere, you can be in whatever section you want, as long as it makes you feel good. It, women's clothes, men's clothes, putting air quotes around them, because clothes are clothes and that's all that matters. And, you know, you'll find that some days you want to dress like this, it feels great. And another day you may want to wear a skirt. And so it's totally up to you and just what makes you feel more like your authentic self and confident. And that's that's what we want is just to see people loving themselves inside and out, and embracing that. Hell yeah. Side note,
0: before we get more into some uh, transition stuff, what is the piece of clothing you have in your closet right now that makes you feel awesome, that makes you feel
1: euphoric, which makes you feel affirmed, confident? I do have my like very first suit, and it's the only suit I have right now as well. But to get that first suit was one of the best days ever. You know, I'd always admired men's clothing and just like seeing my dad dress up, seeing my brothers, I always wanted to wear what they were wearing. You know, I was put in the dress, I had the little like bow on. on my head. And... A fascinator or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so finally the day when I was getting a suit fitted to me as well was one of the best days ever. You know, I've tried to bring it out as much as I can. I'm like, oh, I can wear it dress it up, dress it down. But it makes me feel so good in my skin. And to finally like put on that piece of clothing that I'd always yearned for. And that little kid in me that would always go down to the costume box and put on the blazers and put on the little bow ties and costumes and everything. To finally have that was so incredible. And I love it every single time that I wear it. So I never want to take it off. I'd basically sleep in it. (laughs) That was such a great day and definitely one of my prized articles of clothing, I guess. Yeah, I love
0: that for you. And I think just everyone looks great in a suit. Always. Like everyone looks amazing in a suit. Everybody. I mean, you know, I know it's not like the 40s or whatever they wore suits every day and definitely not suitable for us to maybe like wear suits to work out in, but I would feel pretty damn good <laughs> if I did. <laughs> My video coming soon. That would be a good content idea. Get the suit out for one <laughs> of your Instagram workouts. <laughs>
1: yeah. Honestly damn, jotting it down.
0: <laughs> Do it. So I would love to ask you about testosterone because you started tea before you went into top surgery. Um we both have done it the opposite way. You did tea first, I did top surgery first. And when you were making the decision to go on testosterone, what were the key things that you wanted out of it? What were the things that you were excited about? And were there any
1: changes that you felt a little bit worried or like apprehensive about? Yeah, there were definitely changes that I was looking forward to. So I was excited about my voice dropping. I've always had like kind of a deep ish voice, but I definitely was looking forward to not having to change my voice so much if I was like in public and like being perceived. So that was really exciting. Um, I still am excited to get some facial hair. I've got this <laughs> tiny little teen boy uh, shadow above my lip. But yeah, I'm excited about that and just kind of my face shape as well. So losing a bit of like the softness I, I've enjoyed. And overall, just slowly feeling more like myself. I'm microdosing as well. So it's been slow changes over time. So I'm on like a medium to low microdose that I take weekly. I also started at a dose. I decreased my dose and then I went back to that original dose, just kind of seeing how I felt about it. And I, no surprise, really enjoyed the changes. And I also just like the fact that it's slow and that I could always just like see how it feels. So the microdosing, I definitely appreciated that with T, but um, I'm definitely enjoying some of the body composition changes that are happening. I'm noticing... A bit more of my upper body definition coming through, a little bit less around my hips. I'm definitely excited about my (laughs) period coming to an end and slowing down as well. That's just a monthly reminder of dysphoria. (laughs) I feel like pretty much, I think I can speak for most trans mass people when I'm like, we are always excited to see the back of that. Yes, definitely. So yeah, as that kind of dissipates, that's exciting as well. And definitely one thing I was a bit nervous about was some of like the irreversible changes, especially at the beginning when I just started microdosing. So some changes, you know, typically will um, go back, but some are irreversible. So like your voice and some changes that are happening down there. (laughs) Uh, So that was always something that I was just like, I didn't know much about. So I was kind of going to just experience it and kind of like talk to other people that I knew that it also went on tea, and that was the best thing that I could do, and they were very supportive in any questions that I had. and so um, I definitely recommend you know talking to people that have been through it or are going through it, if you're thinking about starting or you know, if you're on your journey, but the more you can educate yourself and do some research, the better. so you know what to expect.
0: Yeah, I definitely found when researching a lot of the different like side effects. Well, I don't even want to call them side effects, but, you know, just the thing that happens when you take testosterone. um, And um, obviously, a lot of people look forward to like the body recomposition, the face sharpening up, the voice dropping, the facial hair. And the two that seem to come up every time are like bottom growth and hair loss because they're very unpredictable. And also, you kind of just don't know what to expect. You don't know what's going to happen. And I feel I'm a little older than you. I'm 32. And I feel like losing the hair is the scary thing for me because my hair has been my confidence as we've as we've spoken right. about. And I feel like a lot of the groups have been pretty helpful. In the UK, we have a lot of trans masculine support groups um, on Facebook, mostly, weirdly. Um, and they're lovely little hubs of people sharing images and experiences, and that definitely made me feel made me feel more at home. Um, but the hair loss is like gotta be the main for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I totally get that. And like I said, it's amazing to have these groups and to have the community to share these concerns or just things that we're going through. Like, is this normal? And then people come in like, yeah, I experienced that like a couple months ago, and you're like, Ooh, okay, it's it's just really nice to have those people that you can lean on and uh, to reassure you when you need it. But I definitely understand the the hair thing and just you can typically look around at family members yeah. and um, gauge it from that and just kind of get an idea of what you may look like just with genetics. But I, I feel very lucky that I have a lot of hair <laughs> and I hope it doesn't go anywhere. But at the same time, I think if you have that confidence already, then you can keep that confidence without your hair. Yeah, right? 100%. And I've I've spoken to a lot of people that have just been
0: like, you know, I was really apprehensive about a lot of these changes. Singers, I'm a singer, having to almost learn to sing again. But then the reframe of that for me is like, it's gonna be pretty cool figuring out how to navigate what my voice sounds like the more it drops because it's right. low anyway. Right.
1: How has that been with your range with your voice? How is that?
0: been with the change so i haven't started testosterone yet i funded my top surgery um as many people all know that are listening to this and they might have donated to be fair so if they did thank you yes thanks for them testosterone i have been waiting for ever since I've been chasing it up, hounding. I don't know if it's the same in Canada, but the waiting list is around seven years for a lot of people. I have had a couple of conversations with doctors, so it has moved a bit more for me recently. So for keeping my fingers crossed before the end of the year, it can be anywhere between five and seven years for people to get their first appointment here. And that's the appointment just to be like, I need help. So things like, Testosterone and any sort of top surgery or bottom surgery can just be years. Is it what's, what's it like in Canada?
1: There's definitely wait lists, but I would say they're not as long. I, I also was doing mine during COVID and I think even more so after COVID, they've experienced kind of um, an influx yeah. just because of like everything got delayed during COVID and started piling up. So I do think there are wait lists. I don't think they're as long as yours. So with my top surgery was about a year and three months in testosterone through my doctor was maybe like five to six months after I uh, initially had talked to them. But um, yeah, it's definitely, you have to advocate for yourself. And even with my top surgery, I was emailing them all the time. I was calling people, I was leaving messages. I was calling different people of the ministry. I, I don't even think they had anything to do with it. They would just keep redirecting me to people and then I'd let them know and they'd redirect me to more people. And just the more you can get the word out, the more you can let them know you are here, if you're on cancellation lists. As much of that that you can do, the better and the faster it will go because it, it is like you have to push for it and just keep pushing and it can definitely be deterring because it can take a while, but at the same time, if you can you know find ways to still work towards it in the meantime. So if that's exercise and building the body, if that's your fashion, if that's your hair, if that's you know socially, as much as you can focus on those things in the meantime, I think that is the best way to working towards it. Yeah,
0: so your wait times are probably the same as someone wanting to do it privately in the UK. Um, is does Canada have like a national health service thing like we have the NHS in the UK? So a way of accessing your healthcare without having to pay apart
1: from for like your prescriptions. Yes, yeah, so we have OHIP, which is that, so it depends on which province you're in. So Ontario is OHIP. Um, but yeah, each province would have their own and it may vary a little bit, but primarily they're uh, quite similar. And so, yeah, you would apply through OHIP. And then uh, since it's uh, public healthcare, we have it covered, which is really nice. But you also can go the private route and have it even sooner. Yeah, got it. But um, if you want to have the surgery covered, then through OHIP is the way you have to we go. We just all need to move to Canada.
0: Yes, <laughs> you do. <laughs> Come hang up. Amazing. So moving on to your top surgery which surgical method did you go for in the end? So I had double incision with three nipple grafts.
1: Yeah, I, I it was so cool to learn about all the different types <laughs> yeah, right. of surgery. Which of all, I didn't know that so many existed, but I had periareolar, so that was around, so basically they make two circular incisions, uh, one around the nipple and then one even closer. And so through that incision, they remove all of the contents from the chest, And then they sew those two incisions back together, even tighter. Yeah, it was fairly smooth, I would say. I'm very happy with my results. I remember when I had my first couple consults and meetings with my surgeon, I was very adamant about getting the periolar just because I'd been working out for so long. I knew that I had quite a bit of muscle and just that was what I had envisioned for myself. And then I remember my surgeon saying, you know, you've got to." Quite a bit of extra tissue, especially on this left side. Double incision is always a slam dunk. We're very comfortable doing it. So it's up to you if you kind of want to take the risk with the periareolar. And I had it in my mind for so long. I was just like, I I think this is what I want. And, you know, I'm back to work with the gym as soon as I can to hopefully kind of help it out as much as I can. But I do think me exercising as much as I did and kind of giving them the shape of my pec muscles helped with that surgery.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of the one of the most popular questions I probably get asked as a coach is like is it helpful to train your pec muscles in the run up to top surgery? And obviously like there's a lack of research, but for those of us that have trained for years and years and built up a lot of muscle, it's
1: never not a bad idea, is it? No, yeah. I remember my surgeon saying this is amazing. Like I can just follow the lines basically and it really you know, shows that muscle. So then they're like, okay, this is going to be your pec. We can just kind of follow the muscle um, striations and kind of work around it. So then I didn't end up getting the masculinization, which is an option that you can pay an extra three grand for. I chose just to opt to casual out of that. Three grand. <laughs> I know, right? And I'll just add, toss that on. <laughs> yeah. So I chose not to have that. But I do think that having some, muscle and having some definition does help with your results. What is that extra three grand masculinization? What does it get you? They explained it as like some extra contouring. I think more if you had a bit of excess skin. Okay, got it. They will do more work to help kind of I've never heard of you sort of being
0: able to add a bolt on it comes to top surgery.
1: Yes. <laughs> add it in the cart. I already
0: know the answer to the question because obviously I so, followed you. I followed your journey. Talk to me about the first time you like got to see your chest.
1: How, how was that? How did you feel? It was an amazing day. Like it was incredibly overwhelming. There was so much going on, but the first time to like take off All the bandages and everything and see yourself in the mirror and just be like this is it like this is what i've been waiting for and you know you can't feel so much at the time but like you are just it's ecstatic and just knowing that the rest of your life has changed from that moment on the weight lifted physically but also emotionally mentally it was just like freedom and just that feeling I've never had before and just so much euphoria and even just putting on a shirt and it laying flat was the first time. It was just so cool and just like touching it and looking down and not being there anymore after so many years of not associating with that part of my body or hating that part of my body, honestly. And so for that to be eliminated and now just knowing what my life could be like was so exciting. Amazing. I just... I just remember every now
0: and then I'll stumble across the picture that I took the morning of my surgery, in the morning before I drove to the hospital. And I look at it and I'm like, that looks so wrong. <laughs> like I like that, that that's not like that wasn't me. And it's right. And it's so strange how something that you've been told all your life is wrong for you is absolutely a hundred percent. More right than ever at
1: that moment. Totally, I I can't even like think about myself beforehand, or like when I see myself before. Like you said, it's like who is that? It feels like I've had this chest for my entire life now, and I know it's only been like a year and a few months, but it feels so right. Like you said, and it's I'm where I'm meant to be, and I'm just so happy with everything. Hell yeah, I'm
0: so glad, and it's been like you've you've transitioned very publicly. It must have felt slightly relentless. The amount of posts that you did about it at times, did you, did you often struggle about how much you shared or how much you spoke about your transition um, on your profile? Because I definitely feel like that some weeks for me.
1: Yeah, I definitely felt like there was a bit of uh, a duty and also a bit of like an expectation to share yeah. it. I, of course, wanted to share it. But at the same time, I felt like I needed to be saying what I was doing or how I was feeling every second of every day kind of thing. So it was a lot that way, but it was really nice as well to share it and you know, to get the support from people to you know, talk about how I was feeling and share that experience with them and just knowing it's going to help. So many. It's going to be great. And watch me go through this. I'm happy to share it with you. And like, I'm obviously choosing to share it with you. And I think that's a really great part of our community, as well as like, we want to uplift each other. We want to have these moments where we can connect and through these hard times and such. But it was really awesome at the same time. Like, I definitely felt like I needed to post. A lot, but at the same time, I was being
0: too. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that it does almost feel like a duty because of the lack of evidence, the lack of research, um, the lack of like okay. trans joy and the amount of sort of resilience to it. I definitely felt as a coach it was my absolute duty to share the journey, just like everybody that's come before us has as well. And I suppose even when you have a big platform like yours or a smaller platform like mine it's still it's still just as important and the only thing I found weird was when I was like a day out of hospital and someone was like when are you posting your reveal and I'm like my chest reveal I was like I'm just gonna like live with it and then post it when it feels organic and comfortable I I felt a little bit of strange pressure to all of a sudden whip my shirt off which I wouldn't Do anyway, (laughs) yeah,
1: exactly. It's when you feel like it's right and what's best for you, right at the same time. But I also felt like I needed to share like what it was like as somebody who does fitness every day because they're like, "Are you not working out? Like, how are you dealing? How's your mental space?" And yeah, it, it was like challenging to kind of get over that and just knowing that that is my career is fitness. So, like, I definitely felt a bit of an expectation to show how I was going to get back into it and just kind of like that journey back. And and that is my platform. There's going to be a lot of people that are
0: listening to this podcast that are still on a waiting list or they're still waiting for that top surgery. And I would absolutely love to hear any of your top tips for those people of how they can use exercise and movement, knowing that
1: one day they want to get it, but that won't be anytime soon. Yeah, definitely the more that you can start feeling comfortable in your body to begin with, I think is a great place. So, you know, doing the exercises that feel good, working on the muscles that you want to see grow, especially focusing on those muscles maybe a few more times a week so you start feeling and seeing those changes. The more that you start feeling those and seeing those changes, the better you are going to feel and the more motivated you're going to be in this may translate into all aspects of your life, but I definitely think, you know, focusing, especially if you're getting top surgery, focusing on your chest, focusing on your back, your core, arms, your legs, you know, you still want to have nice legs. Don't forget about that. Uh, really dedicating time to those muscles that give you that masculine feel, that appearance, that affirmation. And even training with somebody like me that has been through it and can help you kind of craft the body that you're envisioning and help you get that much closer so that when it does become surgery time, you feel like you're, you're ready and you're excited. And on the other side, it's just going to be that much better. So I definitely think taking the time to focus on yourself, mentally, physically, emotionally, reflection you know doing journaling is really great as well talking about your feelings going to the gym building that body meant for you and just talking to other people as well and just like how do you get through the day or how do you manage these dysphoric feelings but i definitely think exercise is a huge advantage and gives you the tools that you can work on as much as you want until then
0: yeah it's never going to be a cure for gender dysphoria, but it's a way to ease it and yes, if there's you know not the same muscle groups aren't always going to affirm um everyone in the same way and you know if having a a strong back and you know visible shoulder muscles and traps makes you affirms you wicked, if for someone it's like having You know, bigger triceps or visible muscle in their arms or vascularity. I definitely feel like what affirms one person, one trans mass person or one non-binary person or anybody for that matter is always very different. There's not necessarily a a right way to do it. And I kind of love the way that you said, just work on the muscle groups that you want to see, see the changes in, but don't ignore everything else. Just add a couple extra in and that's that's a really great approach to do it, isn't it? Just think about, well, do I want to work on like my pushing muscles? So I'll just do a couple of extra sets of
1: that. Is that kind of how you built up through the years for yourself? Yeah, for sure. I've always had the motto, build the body meant for you. So whatever that means to you. And like you said, everyone's different. Everybody's journey is different. And that's why they're so amazing. And we all learn from each other and, you know, can think about things a little bit differently. So I think makes you feel good in your skin, whatever makes you feel strong, whatever makes you feel confident doing that and finding ways to keep tapping into that.
0: Yeah, totally. Can we uh, can we talk about your training goals at the moment? Yeah. So like me, you're well over a year post-top surgery. What is training looking like for you now?
1: I'm constantly... Adding to my downstairs gym right now. I've so, noticed I've got a cable machine down there. I've got dumbbells, I've got barbells, and since I've had those barbells, I've been really focusing a lot more on like those big lifts. So a lot more squats, a lot more deadlifts, a lot more bench. But I'm also doing a lot more like crossfit style compound lifts, oh, so yeah. more like snatches and cleans. i Love it. it. Makes me feel so strong. Yeah, that's my world. <laughs> and- <laughs> Yeah, it's like your whole body and like moving that weight from your toes to above your head. It's it's so empowering and I love how it makes me feel. So I'm trying to like tap into things that I haven't as much in the past and always trying to, you know, evolve and to keep growing. And I'm focusing a lot on my chest and back as well right now. People always say my arms are like my assets. So I'm like, okay, arms can chill out a little bit. Let's focus more on like... A bit more of that masculinization, that more of those V taper muscles, but it's, it's always kind of changing. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll obviously adapt every like three or four weeks or so, but for the most part, I'm doing, you know, the staple exercises, but I'm just increasing my weight or using different styles, like drop sets or AMRAPs or negatives. But a lot of the time I'm doing those staple exercises that everyone sees and recognizes because they work yeah, just focusing on those muscle groups that I really want to see grow and kind of coming into the body that I've been building. Amazing. Yeah. And you've been, you've been what training six days a week for 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Six days. Yeah. Average. Not every workout is necessarily like downstairs in my gym. I like to do yoga. I like to go on hikes. I like to play sports my partner and I will do things together. So it doesn't always mean like I'm lifting weights every day. I just like to move every day. Yeah,
0: I hear that. 12 years is a really long time to do anything consistently, which is incredible. How do you deal with the, with the mental chatter? Any of the negative that
1: tends to creep in? Yeah, it definitely does. I was actually experiencing it like the last week or so. And it's normal. You know, everybody has those days, you know, every day is tough and like, this job can be tough sometimes, too, and you just got to keep showing up. But at the same time, just knowing, you know, it's not always going to be the best workout. It's not always going to be the best day. Even if I can just get down there for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, even just do a little bit of stretching or something where I feel like I'm still doing something. Something is always better than nothing. And so still feeling like I'm doing things that make me feel good, that give me satisfaction, mentally, physically, I'm still getting something out of it. And like I said, not every day is going to be the best, but I'm still showing up in some capacity and knowing that there's a lot of value in those low days as much as there is in those high days. And those low days make you appreciate the high days. So you need to have some of both. And I think it really tests your, your motivation sometimes and just your commitment. But If you can overcome those days and even just show up for five minutes, that's a win. Yeah. And do you find the self compassion around that
0: tough? Do you have to remind yourself that showing up for 10 minutes
1: is okay? It definitely can be challenging and just, um, especially on yourself. You know, you are your harshest critic, but on some of those days, you need to lean on others and reach out and just to get that support because, you know, some days we can't always be everything and so we need to lean on each other sometimes and just um get a little bit more of that support a little bit of a boost to keep us going and to remind us what we are doing is so great and you know just being our authentic selves is great and um like i said five minutes counts
0: yeah if that's the if that's the best we can do on that day that's that is our best that's our best self on that day for sure exactly what advice would you give to people who work a kind of normal 9 to 5 job 5 days a week and they want to make progress with
1: their fitness. Yeah, I would say first of all, don't set so high expectations on yourself. Taking one day at a time, I think is the best approach. So, instead of saying I'm going to work out 7 days this week, like I'm going to work out today. So, instead of having such a high goal or high achievement that you've placed on yourself, put smaller ones. And those smaller ones will all add up to that bigger one. So I think if you can focus on those small steps each day, all those little wins, they add up to big results. And so if you can just, like I said, get down there for 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day. My partner does this quite often as well. And people ask her like, what's your secret? How do you stay this fit? And she's like, I literally do 15 minutes a day. I am committed to that. And that's enough for me. Makes me feel great. And I can carry on with my day. So then once we start giving that pocket, if we can build that habit, then maybe it's 20 minutes, maybe it's 25 minutes, maybe one day it's 15 and the next day it's 30. So rolling with the punches a bit, but also not setting such high expectations on yourself and prioritizing your goals as much as you want to achieve.
0: Yeah. The, the 15 minute workout I think is so underrated. If, yes. you're, if you're at home, five bodyweight squats, five, 10 bodyweight squats, five push-ups, 10 push-ups, like pull-up variations. There are some really easy compound movements that you can slot into 15 minutes that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily even need a ton of equipment for. And you are the
1: absolute champion of home workouts with minimal equipment. <laughs> Thank you. That's, yeah, that's how it started with during COVID. And that's kind of how it grew into what it was, was starting with the at-home stuff. But even when I'm sitting at home, a lot of the time, you know, if you're sitting in front of the TV or something, I, I wonder how much time people are, you know, watching TV, watching Netflix, all these things. If you're in front of the TV, even if you do some stretch, even if you do some squats, even if you do whatever, if you're there anyway, why don't you multitask, you know, get a little bit more out of it instead of just sitting on the couch. You can be prioritizing your goal at the same time you get your favorite TV show fix and still feel like you're working towards something and feeling better about it and accomplished. So I just think there's ways that you can kind of incorporate it. If you listen to a podcast and go for a walk, just try to also combine things we love so that it encourages us to keep doing it. Yeah,
0: 100%. What are your favorite podcasts? What are you listening to? Cultivate? (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't, that was not planned.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh, great. I, I do enjoy a lot of true crime, honestly. So I listen to a lot of those. I also love a lot of queer podcasts. So, like, we're having gay sex and two dykes and a mic. Yeah. I really enjoy and get a lot of um, laughter and just queer content for sure, which is really nice. Hell yeah. Mate, thank you so
0: much for coming on. I appreciate it so much. And I know how busy you are as well. I'm sure everyone
1: is gonna be absolutely buzzing to listen to this. Thank you so much for having me, it's been a pleasure. I am really stoked to be here, so thanks again.
0: Yes, Cultivate Family, that was M Donks. I was so buzzing to have them on here. I will put all of his links in the show notes. Before we go, just wanted to let you know I'm going to open another couple of coaching slots for one-to-one before the end of November. So if you're interested in absolutely smashing the rest of the year together, hit the form in the show notes, fill it in, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Have an amazing rest of your week, Cultivate family. Take it easy. I'm out.